What's happening in the world? Coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. Former President Trump's latest indictment is a travesty of justice, according to his spokesperson. Find out why she says the American people aren't falling for it. A controversial surveillance program often used to spy on Americans. Multiple government agencies this week advocating to keep the program alive. Censorship or safety? Attorneys General want a judge to allow the Biden administration to communicate with social media to limit certain views. And UK coffee chain Costa Coffee stirs controversy by using an image of a cartoon person with scars from breast removal on its fans. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Our top news, former President Trump has been indicted a third time, this time in connection with the events on January 6th, 2021, and his efforts to dispute the 2020 election. A grand jury in Washington, D.C. approved four federal felony charges. Before we dive into the analysis, here is what Special Counsel Jack Smith said yesterday. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. The indictment alleges that Trump spread lies about the 2020 election and was involved in a conspiracy to obstruct and impede the January 6th congressional certification of the election results. Let's dive into the details about what this could mean for Trump. Epoch Times reporter Janice Heisel has been covering the grand jury's probe, so I asked her to break it down. Janice Heisel, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Janice, tell us what's in this indictment. Well, this latest indictment actually has the fewest charges. Um, it, there are four charges that basically allege Mr. Trump went too far in his opposition to the 2020 election, and that those efforts actually allegedly um, interfered with the citizens' right to have their votes counted properly and also obstructed the federal government's um, duty to certify the election results in 2020. And tell us about this conspiracy to defraud the United States charge. What is that charge based on? Well, Mr. Trump allegedly worked with, quote unquote, six co-conspirators, as the indictment says. They don't say who these people are, but they do identify them as being four attorneys, a political consultant, and um, a, a person within the Department of Justice, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, there's been a lot of speculation in the hours since this indictment came out about who some of those people are, but I don't want to go there because, of course, um, you know, you, you don't want to accuse somebody of something that's not included in, in an actual document. And Trump supporters think he won't get a fair trial in Washington. Explain why. Well, there's actually a huge percentage of registered Democrats in Washington. And as everyone knows, Mr. Trump is the leading uh, candidate for the Republican Party and the former Republican president. 
And um, a lot of times people will vote along party lines, whether Democrat or Republican. And so that is one of the biggest fears is that, you know, there would be a lot of opposition to Mr. Trump just because of the jury pool from, you know, the whole population that the jurors would be selected from. What is the Trump campaign's response to this indictment? Well, Mr. Trump it isn't showing any sign of giving up whatsoever. In fact, just this morning, in the hours following the indictment, he issued um, a statement on his Truth Social, which is now his favorite way to communicate, it seems. And in that statement, he said, thank you for the unprecedented support. He said, I've never felt so supported about anything. And he further says that he feels this third indictment has awoken the world to the corruption that is going on within Mr. Biden, the current president's administration. This is the third indictment of the only former president to have ever been indicted. Refresh our audience's memory about the other two indictments. Well, the very first indictment came out at the end of March, and that one was from the state of New York. Now, state charges differ, you know, from federal ones. Uh, that case involves the payment of a, a hush money to the adult film actress Stormy Daniels, and it relates to uh, former President Trump's alleged efforts to conceal that payment uh, reimbursement to his lawyer uh, by supposedly manipulating documents. Now, the second indictment is a federal one, and that one was just released a month ago. In the, Actually, I take it back. It was in June, and we're now in August. Uh, and that one uh, deals with, again, dozens of charges, 37 counts, which were recently increased to 40 counts all surrounding the former Trump, uh, president's uh, possession of classified documents at his home in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. So those are the two other cases, and here is this third one. Well, Epoch Times reporter Janice Heisel, thank you. Thank you. And to hear the Trump campaign's reaction to this latest indictment, I spoke to Liz Harrington, a spokesperson for the former president. Liz Harrington, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you. Liz, what is the Trump campaign's response to this latest indictment? Well, it's really a travesty of justice. It's election interference once again, uh, using taxpayer dollars to try to remove the, the number one political opponent of this corrupt government. And really what they're saying in this sham indictment is you have no political speech, uh, you cannot dissent, you cannot contest a very corrupt election. You can't do that out in the open, which is what President Trump did. And they're saying that if you disagree with the government, uh, we have the right to throw you in jail. And it, it's just totally un-American. And it's a real travesty. And we're going to fight this, and we will win. Now, the Trump campaign has pointed to the Justice Department waiting 2.5 years to bring this case. What alarms you about this timing? Well, it's in the middle of a presidential election that President Trump is by and away, far and away, the leader in all the polls. Of course, not just the Republican primary, but the general. Uh, he's up by 19 points when it comes to independent voters over Joe Biden. So it's very obvious that they don't want to face him in a free and fair fight at the ballot box. So they're trying to smear him. They're trying to falsely imprison him in multiple different venues with very uh, in very corrupt places uh, that they think that they can get 
a, a biased jury to convict and remove him from the from the presidential race. So, exactly, if they had uh, this, you know, this case, which they claim is so uh, open and shut, why didn't they bring it when it happened? Uh, it's clear that they are bringing this to interfere in our election to try to take away the choice from the American people. And the American people aren't falling for it. That's why they're rallying behind President Trump in record numbers. Now, the indictment alleges Trump made a series of knowingly false claims about the election being fraudulent. Did Trump make claims that he knew were false? Absolutely not. And President Trump was fighting for a free and fair vote, an honest count. That's what he said in this phone call uh, to the officials uh, in Georgia. And that he was just being a voice for the American people, which knew that this election was not the most secure election in history, but was, in fact, one of the most insecure, one of the most corrupt, uh, fraudulent elections we have ever seen. And so he was fighting for the American people. Uh, he believed everything that he said. And in fact, since then, we have only found more evidence to back up President Trump's claims about 2020. This was a very corrupt vote, and President Trump had every right to object to it. Uh, he stands by everything he said then, and he will be vindicated just like he's been vindicated before with all of these witch hunts, with Russia, 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 the fake impeachment scams. Uh, he'll be vindicated with this as well. Just in closing here, Liz, Trump's attorney John Lauro said Trump has subpoena power in this case. What could he do with this power? Absolutely. And so it's very important. You know, the deep state should be careful what they wish for, because right now we have, for the first time, what we did not, uh, were we not afforded to on January 6th, which was all we wanted was an open debate to send this, these votes back to the states so we could audit and, and debate over the evidence, which existed then and exists now. So now we have the opportunity to file subpoenas and relitigate all of these issues about 2020. And believe me, they do not want to go there because this was a corrupt election. The Injustice Department has worked to cover it up. Uh, and we will have this authority and we will relitigate all of these issues and we will win. Liz Harrington, spokesperson for former President Trump. Thank you. Great to be with you. Responding to the latest indictment, the former president thanked supporters on Truth Social this morning. Trump wrote that he has never had so much support on anything before. He called the indictment unprecedented, leveled against both a former president and the leading candidate in the upcoming 2024 election. Trump said it has awoken the world to the corruption, scandal, and failure that has taken place in the United States for the past three years. He repeated his slogan of making the country great again. Coming up, a congressman is probing the impact of federal agencies issuing vaccine mandates, where agencies will have to submit documents. And the U.S. may secure a new source of critical minerals, Mongolia. The Prime Minister is visiting the U.S. for the first time in five years. More in just a moment, here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. The federal government keeps advocating against abolishing a controversial surveillance program. Numerous reports show the program is often wrongly used to spy on Americans. 
but officials say national security is under threat without it. Multiple government agencies this week advocating to keep a controversial surveillance program alive. The program in question is Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance, or FISA Act, which is set to expire this year. Section 702 was enacted by Congress in the aftermath of the 9-11 terror attacks. The provision allows intelligence agencies to conduct warrantless surveillance of foreigners located outside the U.S. White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby this week said that FISA Section 702 is one of the nation's most critical intelligence tools that's used to protect our nation. Thanks to the intelligence obtained under this authority, the United States has been able to understand and respond to threats posed by the People's Republic of China and others. The program has come under a lot of scrutiny in the past. Last year, a report revealed that the FBI had made more than 3.3 million queries of Americans in the U.S. using Section 702. They were reportedly used on January 6 protesters, Black Lives Matter activists, and others. According to a 2021 report, the program was even used to spy on a member of Congress at one point. Kirby's latest remarks came just a day after the president's Intelligence Advisory Board released a report on the program on Monday. The report contains more than a dozen reform recommendations to improve the public's perception of FISA Section 702. Critics of the program say it should be abolished and officials should get a warrant in order to gather information on individuals. The report argues that getting a warrant is impractical and that often there is not enough information to prove probable cause when a U.S. person query is being conducted. FISA Section 702 is set to expire on New Year's Day if not renewed by Congress. The debate on social media censorship by the federal government continues. 21 Democrats Attorney General are urging a judge to allow the Biden administration to continue to instruct social media companies. New York Attorney General Letitia James says an open dialogue between government officials and social media companies keeps Americans safe. This comes after Republican attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri sued the Biden administration on behalf of several individuals. A judge found they produced evidence of a massive effort by the White House and federal agencies to suppress speech based on its content. The Biden administration quickly appealed the temporary block. The attorneys general say their state's experience in communicating with social media companies on child safety, consumer protection, and election integrity is mutually beneficial. But the temporary block did not prohibit all government correspondence with social media companies. It specifically prohibits pushing in any way for the removal of content containing protected free speech. Meanwhile, it allowed agencies to continue to work with social media companies when it came to posts about criminal activity, national security threats, or criminal efforts to affect elections. A congressman is investigating four federal agencies' COVID vaccine mandates. He's seeking documents on how the agencies crafted their policies, which he calls coercive. Congressman Brad Wenstrup is chairman of the Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. He has requested documents, communications, and guidance on the pandemic mandates from the Department of Defense, the Office of Personnel Management, the Department of Labor, and the Department of Health and Human Services. The subcommittee held a hearing last week. It said, quote, expert witnesses highlighted the Biden administration's abuse of executive power and disregard for individual freedoms. It said the mandates caused people to lose their jobs, decreased military readiness, and caused public distrust. It added, quote, the detrimental consequences of these policy decisions continue to affect thousands of Americans. British coffee chain Costa Coffee faces backlash for an ad designed with a transgender person. 
The image has scars from a medical procedure to remove breasts. The coffee chain says it's promoting diversity. The coffee chain told Newsweek the cartoon image was part of a larger mural the company commissioned for a gay pride event in England. The image was seen on vans promoting the chain. The hashtag Boycott Costa Coffee spread across social media on Monday and Tuesday. Shoe company Doc Martens also faced backlash after promoting a shoe on social media with a similar image. It also features a cartoon-like image of a person with a bare chest showing scars from breast removal. Fitch Ratings made a rare move yesterday by cutting the U.S. government's credit rating from AAA to AA+. The move was not a surprise, though. Fitch warned the administration about the move back in May. The last time the credit rating was cut was in 2011. Fitch cited rising federal, state, and local debt and a worsening standard of governance as the main factors. Over time, the lowered credit rating could cost U.S. taxpayers and raise borrowing costs for the government. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen denounced the decision as arbitrary and based on outdated data. Mongolia's prime minister and top U.S. officials are meeting today. NTD Business's Don Ma has more on the talks. And now joining me is Antonio Graceffo, China economic analyst. So, you know, I want to talk about the topic of U.S. reliance on Chinese critical minerals. Um, the, the media question is how do we diminish that? I want your thoughts on that. But, uh, but first, um, there's going to be a visit by the Mongolian prime minister to Washington today. Uh, Mongolia is resource rich and it could want to position itself as a democratic partner for the U.S. So my question to you is, can the U.S. instead rely on Mongolia for critical minerals? Okay, good morning. And yes, about Mongolia. So we consider Mongolia to be um, the island of democracy. It's the only democratic nation in that part of the world. Remember, they're sandwiched between China and Russia, which are both totalitarian. And then uh, the nearest countries are the Central Asian republics, which do not have very high quality democracy. So that is the benefit of Mongolia. Mongolia is trying very hard to become a democratic partner of the United States. They consider the United States to be their best third neighbor, because they only have two neighbors, so they consider U.S. the best third neighbor. Now, Mongolia is sitting on a lot of uh, critical uh, minerals, um, and they are now in negotiations with the U.S. to be our new partner for that, and I think it's really good. I think it's a good sign politically, because Mongolia is very much dependent on selling minerals and selling energy to China. And so this, they're always looking for ways to diversify their business away from China and their dependency on China. So d d does Mongolia have enough uh, resources to the degree where the U.S. can completely replace China? No, no, no. Uh, but uh, ironically, the United States has enough resources that we could completely replace China if we were to capitalize on those resources. If the U.S. has Mongolia and it has uh, resources uh, at home, why is it still reliant on China for critical minerals? problem with critical minerals is that, you know, they're called rare earth minerals, but they're not actually that rare. They're, they're relatively common. Uh, the issue is that to mine them is very, very polluting because you have to remove a lot of earth, a lot of other you know, waste materials in order to get a small quantity of rare earth minerals. So the United States has one of the largest deposits of rare earth minerals out in California. We only have one mine out there. And the problem is, number one, there's uh, environmental regulations that prevent us from being able to effectively mine it. 
And then even after we mine it, we still send it to China for processing. So even if we're mining here to avoid relying on China, we're still relying on China because China does the processing. China has 90% of the world's processing uh, capacity. So that needs to be bypassed. And the only way that can be bypassed is one, we'll have to reduce our regulations here, including uh, climate restrictions. And number two, the government will have to fund uh, the establishment of these processing and mining operations. Just briefly, what, what kind of leverage does China have on Mongolia? So Mongolia's economy is considered the single most resource dependent economy uh, in the world. And it is very close to 100% of the economy of Mongolia is, is resource dependent. And the reason why is that if the mines were to close tomorrow, everything else would disappear, the banks, the coffee shops, whatever. The mining products, you know, 80 to 90% of those are being sent to China. So this really means that the entire Mongolian economy is dependent on China. Wow, the entire economy, that's very eye-opening. But thank you so much for your insight today, Antonio. Okay, thanks for having me. When we return, the largest solar panel recycling plant in North America is busy in Yuma, Arizona. The facility hopes to keep valuable resources out of the landfill. And National Night Out 2023. Neighborhoods across the U.S. got together last night and promoted police community partnerships for safer neighborhoods. We'll have the scene in Chicago after the break. car could be sharing your data, and California regulators want to put an end to it. Most cars today have sensors and cameras which track what's going on in and outside of the car. Insurance companies often use it to determine rates and track safe driving. But California's privacy regulator wants to review the privacy practices of the use of personal information from cars. It's something regulators in Europe are also looking into. The California Privacy Protection Agency will look at how the data is collected and decide whether companies are following state law on the use of that data. The largest solar panel recycling plant in North America has opened in Yuma, Arizona. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on how they salvage valuable materials. Solar panels have become a popular option for renewable energy, but disposing of them is another matter. We Recycle Solar in Yuma, Arizona can process 345,000 pounds of parts in a single day. That's roughly 69 million pounds a year. So what inspired us to start We Recycle Solar was a huge problem. As solar is a great technology, it is now becoming more and more accessible to everyone. There was no planning for end of life. Stacks of solar panels are separated by brand and model. We don't want to go to the landfill. That's the last thing that we want to do. There's still life left in them. They're 25 to 30 years. At the end of the day, someone else's trash is someone else's treasure. Some only have a few cracks in their glass and can be reused. The other panels head down a conveyor belt to separate glass and metals. So as they go down through our lines, we look to go through resale as the first step. Anything that doesn't qualify for resale, we then send down to our recycling lines. That material is dismantled, the frames come off, it goes through secondary machinery. Some of the highest value materials are copper, silver, and aluminum. Every product today that you see within the U.S. supply chain 
is heavily mined, is heavily sourced, uh, and, and, and often disrupts the ecosystems around, all around the world. So why not take it from existing products, extract those raw materials, and put them back into use? Some experts estimate solar waste could total some 78 million tons globally by 2050. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. A teen in Orlando has a need for speed. This happened back in January, but authorities recently released the video as a warning to other speeders. An Orange County Sheriff's Corporal pulled over a 16-year-old for going over 130 miles an hour on a highway. The teen had to call his dad to pick him up. Take a look. Dad, this is Corporal Richter at the Orange County Sheriff's Office. I need you to come out here and uh, pick up your son. I'm on the express lanes, I-4 express lanes. I just clocked your son at 132 miles an hour. 132 miles an hour. Can you and uh, another driver come get him? Thank you, sir. You understand if you were 18, he was given a speeding citation, which requires a court appearance. In the video, the officer told the driver if he was 18, he would have been arrested for reckless driving. The sheriff's office says speeding is a real danger, and this is a cautionary story. More than 200 sex trafficking victims were discovered during Operation Cross Country, a 14-day nationwide child exploitation and human trafficking bust conducted by FBI agents. The operation involved nearly every FBI field office, other federal agencies, state and local police, and social service agencies across the country. The FBI said that after rescue, the victims were provided with food and clothing, transportation to emergency services, and help locating shelter, as well as crisis intervention. The initiative was also done in partnership with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. In 2022 alone, the organization says it received more than 19,000 reports of possible child sex trafficking. Republican lawmakers say that the immigration crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border is worsening child trafficking in the United States. And in Texas, a federal jury is charging four individuals with a money laundering scheme and funding human smuggling operations. They are accused of using a network of straw men and bank accounts to transport illegal immigrants that was done under the guise of payments for construction work. The indictment allows authorities to seize three properties, totaling an estimated $3 million. National Night Out 2023. Last night, neighborhoods across the U.S. promoted police community partnerships for safer neighborhoods. NTD's Angela Moy was in Chicago. Chicago District 20's National Night Out was like a block party. Community members and police got together to bond over food and fun. District 20 Commander Brendan McCridden says the event brings the community closer. It's just a way for the community and the police to come together. We have local businesses here, social service agencies, uh, just some of the local fun things we have. Neighbors enjoy the fun activities and learn about the resources available to the community. Kevin Davis, a local resident, found out about the event earlier in the day and decided to join. But I'm seeing some different resources, different elected officials here uh, talking about what's going on here. So it makes the, the neighborhood feel a little bit smaller and making the computer uh, community feel a little bit tighter. 
Dan Liu, a volunteer with Sound of Hope, a local non-profit organization, shared a new social media platform called Ganjing World with local residents. Ganjing World, which means a clean world. So Ganjing World strives to create a positive digital community um, with clean content that is very good for the entire family. There's no um, violent, erotic, criminal, or harmful content. Um, and its algorithm is non-addictive. So the goal of Ganjing World is to bring people together and reconnect to traditional values and moral society. David says he is interested in learning more about the Ganjing world. Um, you know, as a parent, you're, you're kind of leery of, of using YouTube and other things like that. And so I was checking out the literature, and it seems like a pretty cool platform. It seems pretty safe, so I'm excited to check it out. District 20, located on the north side of Chicago, has one of the lowest crime rates in the city. So that's a blessing, but it also speaks to the hard work done by the police officers here, but also the community members that we work together with and trying to keep crime here as low as possible. Commander McCritton also hopes to recruit more police officers through the event. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. A boat explodes and drivers have only seconds to escape. A gripping video captures the moment a couple rescued two men from a burning speedboat. Take a look. It's too late. Get off the boat. Get off the boat. It's going to blow. You guys want to jump out right jump now? Jump out right now. The accident occurred last month in Traverse Bay, Michigan. Nathan and Rito Greedwood were out on their boat when they spotted another boat engulfed in black smoke. They approached the burning vessel and urged the two men on board to jump into the water as it was too late to put out the fire. The Greenwoods pulled the two out of water. A vessel then extinguished the fire. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. When we come back, China is mobilizing the entire nation against espionage. All citizens have been called upon to report so-called suspicious acts. And a Ukrainian drone pilot is bringing his gaming experience to the battlefield. More shortly here on NTD News Today. now some short headlines from around the world. Meta has begun the process to end access to news on Facebook and Instagram for all users in Canada. That's in response to a law requiring internet giants to pay news publishers. The Canadian government denounced the move as irresponsible. Engineering firms, including Honeywell, warned Germany of unintended consequences of a bill banning gas boilers. The unpopular legislation will allow the government to exclude a refrigerating gas in heat pumps. The companies warn of adverse impacts on energy efficiency, energy security, and the financial cost to citizens. Armed robbers raided a store of the luxury Swiss watch brand Piaget in Paris yesterday. They escaped between $11 million and $16 million of jewelry. French media report the gang was well-dressed, with men wearing gray suits and a woman in a green dress. Thousands of troops descend on a rural town in the north of El Salvador. 
It's an effort to flush out gangs reportedly hidden in the area. A total of 7,000 soldiers and 1,000 police officers are involved in the operation. El Salvador's president said he ordered the mission as criminal groups escaped to the north to hide from his gang crackdowns. A police dog sniffs out over $1 million of hidden cash. The Italian canine named Elio thwarted a cash smuggling attempt at a bus station in Florence. It was during a routine bus check when Elio noticed something in two suitcases. The luggage belonged to a Chinese passenger residing in Italy. Police said the Chinese national was visibly agitated and failed to explain where money came from. A formal investigation is underway. Beijing is pushing its anti-spy campaign onto the entire nation. In a social media debut, China's spy agency called on all citizens to be on their toes. Here are the details. Counter-espionage requires the mobilization of all members of society. That's the first message of Beijing's Ministry of State Security posted on WeChat, the country's main social media platform. The Tuesday Post said national security bodies should create channels like hotlines and online platforms for citizens to report suspicious activities. It also called for commending and rewarding systems to normalize the so-called counterintelligence mechanism. The mobilization call has sparked concern. Geopolitical expert Valina Chakarova described it as digital totalitarianism with Chinese characteristics. She tweeted, with the help of technology, China will make the Soviet Union blush, a superpower famous for even making relatives spy on you. Others believe the move runs counter to the regime's pleas for foreign investment. Beijing's latest call comes one month after its new anti-spying law went into effect. The amendment widened the definition of espionage to cover almost everything related to national security, without specifying what falls under China's national interests. The Chinese regime has been cracking down on some Western businesses since earlier this year, shutting down their local offices and arresting employees. Those targeted include U.S. due diligence firm Mintz Group, U.S. consulting firm Bain & Company, and Japanese drug maker Astellas Pharma. Being a gamer may help fight wars. A Ukrainian drone pilot says he gained experience for handling weapons from playing video games. Here's the story. In an undisclosed part of the Zaporizhia region of Ukraine sits drone pilot Mihailo. He's testing self-made first-person view drones not far from the front line, where the Ukrainian army pushes on with its counter-offensive against Russian troops. The drone's propellers hum as the small black object zips around in the air. It might look effortless, but 25-year-old Mihailo says controlling them is no easy feat. Although it's tough to fly the drones well and subsequently hit a target, he says his experience with gaming gives him an advantage. Since I've been transferred to this unit to work with drones, every time I put on my goggles and take the joystick, I recall my mother telling me that those video games would not do me any good. Well, if this isn't useful, then what is? But the drones aren't part of an imaginary video game. They instead play a central role in the very real Russia-Ukraine war, deployed on both sides. Mihailo says the performance of these FPV drones differs from others. There are big drones that can fly hundreds of miles, some that hover over the battlefield taking pictures, and others that carry weapons to drop on targets. But the FPVs are designed to crash straight into a target, steered by a pilot wired into a virtual reality headset. Unlike other drones that can be sent up and monitored, the FPV drones never simply hover. They're always flying fast and looking forward. Their cameras don't even point downwards. Mihailo says there's a constant game of cat and mouse with enemy troops, 
who tried to interfere with remote signals using electronic warfare systems. We received a new batch of drones yesterday, and today we are going to test them. We will see how they work at a distance, whether the connection is lost or not, and so on. Because we must check every drone we get. It might have some defective parts, or certain things might not work. Troops at the spearhead of Ukraine's counteroffensive said a battle last week along the front in the southeast proved to be tougher and bloodier than expected. Combat footage shared by the Ukrainian Army's press service showed explosions in Russian dugouts said to be caused by Ukrainian FPV drones. Both Ukrainian and Russian forces have used a wide array of drones during the war for both reconnaissance and assault purposes. Coming up, NASA is listening for signals from its Voyager 2 probe. The spacecraft fell out of contact while traveling in interstellar space. And artists in Nepal are renovating centuries-old Buddhist texts, repainting the faded words with gold. We'll be back with more on the cultural legacy here on NTD News Today. Welcome back, everyone. NASA is listening for any peep from Voyager 2 after losing contact with the spacecraft billions of miles away. Over a week ago, flight controllers accidentally sent a wrong command. This caused Voyager 2's antenna to be off by 2% and communications were cut off. NASA's giant antenna dish in Canberra, Australia is on the lookout for any signals it sends out. Voyager 2 is currently more than 12 billion miles from Earth. It will take more than 18 hours for the signal to reach Earth. For the next week, the Canberra antenna will also bombard the vicinity of Voyager 2 with the correct commands in the hopes it will hit its mark. Otherwise, NASA will have to wait until October for an automatic spacecraft reset to restore communications. Meanwhile, NASA is getting ready to take the streaming wars to the moon. The space agency released this new trailer for its first on-demand streaming service, called NASA Plus. NASA says the family-friendly service will feature the agency's live streams, collections of its original video series, and some new series just for streaming. NASA Plus will be free, and it will not require a subscription. The service is slated to launch later this year, and will be available on the web and on most major platforms, including Roku, Apple TV, and Fire TV. Repainting age-old Buddhist manuscripts with gold. That's what six artists are up to at an iconic temple in Nepal. The manuscripts are eight centuries old, bearing words that have faded over time. They are still recited every day. The artists will work for about a month renovating them on a daily basis. They repaint the manuscripts with gold ink made from fine gold dust and boiled flaxseed. The scriptures consist of 8,000 verses believed to be from Gautama Buddha 2,500 years ago. Now for an episode of Strong Mind and Body. Let's get some tips on how to reduce anxiety. Here's NTD's Gina Marie.
If you would like to reduce anxiety and stress, you may want to consider these tips. Exercise regularly, quit or reduce smoking, alcohol consumption and caffeine consumption. Practice deep breathing and try eating foods that have been shown to reduce anxiety, including Brazil nuts, almonds, salmon, eggs, dark chocolate, turmeric, asparagus, blueberries and yogurt. You may also want to consider chamomile tea. In 2016, a study was conducted with people who had a generalized anxiety disorder. Those who consumed chamomile tea experienced a reduction in their moderate to severe symptoms. One to three cups daily not only relieves anxiety and stress, but reduces inflammation and pain too. Chamomile is unique for its sweet and fruity taste. Using an infuser pot to brew your tea is an easy way to make fresh tea using loose leaves or flowers. If you don't have an infuser teapot, find a strainer or a cheesecloth in order to make a makeshift tea bag. Simply add three to four tablespoons of fresh chamomile flowers to your pot. Add a sprig of fresh mint if you have it and eight ounces of boiling water. Steep your flowers and mint in water for five minutes. Several other herbal teas have also shown to affect mood and help with relaxation and focus. One is ashwagandha. This tea may reduce symptoms of depression and anxiety. This ancient herbal tea may also lower cortisol levels. This is a stress hormone. In a clinical trial, individuals who took ashwagandha had stress-relieving effects and lower cortisol levels than participants who didn't take ashwagandha. The other option is lemon balm. This tea is for depression and anxiety. This member of the mint family has a calming effect. A 2014 study shows that individuals who consumed lemon balm tea or yogurt containing lemon balm showed an improved mood and a reduction in anxiety. Here's your daily dose of cute. The Whipsnade Zoo in England is celebrating the birth of twin red pandas. It's part of a European breeding program for the endangered species. They were born on June 25th, weighing just four ounces. Red panda cubs are blind for the first 30 days of their lives and rely heavily on their mothers. Zookeepers say the twins are just starting to open their eyes, but they won't likely venture outside for at least another month. The babies haven't been named yet. Zookeepers say that will happen after the first veterinarian check at eight weeks old. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers.